Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome back to Personal Power for the Common Good. This is the podcast where we explore the bonuses and the barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to kind of sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. Yeah, and this podcast episode is dedicated to Rachel Carson, a marine biologist and prolific author. She catalyzed the global environmental movement with her 1962 book, Silent Spring. We are grateful for her tireless and courageous advocacy for the environment and all the life it nourishes and sustains. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen, an educator, justice advocate, mother, parenting expert, and human rights and services professional for the past 34 plus years. I'm here with my good friend, colleague, and coach, Diana Amelia Reed. <laughs> and I am Diana Amelia Reed. I'm a woman, wife, I'm an Oma, a singer. A sort of a surfer, a social justice advocate, and a personal transformation consultant. Now, Stacy and I are absolutely delighted to have you with us for this third episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. If you've listened to the first two episodes and are now rejoining us, we hope, we hope, we hope the questions, ideas, and the at-home work that we've generated so far have have been useful in increasing your sense of personal power and your ability to impact the world in a positive way. And if you're tuning in for the first time, well, welcome. We are so glad you're here. We've already gotten some great feedback from our listeners. Stacy, fill us in. Sure. One of the most compelling for me was from my niece, who's 36 and just became a mom in November. So she texted me and said, just listen to the first two episodes. I feel smarter just by listening. But even more important for me, she then followed up with a question, which said, is there anything you can think of that I can do better to make sure my daughter lives to be the best version of herself? Wow. I mean, that, that was just so affirming for me because that's exactly why we're doing this podcast. That, that is wonderful. That, that's, that's a bullseye. For uh, sure. Now, we've, we've had something else come forward. And it was another question. And it's this, who exactly is our audience? Just who are we targeting with this podcast? Excellent questions, because we struggled with the same ones in the beginning. <laughs> it's so true. But we thought a lot about this. And um, in the final analysis, we, we realized that personal power for the common good is for anyone and everyone who is in relationship, connecting with other people, anyone who gives care. Now, maybe that's care to a child. Maybe that's an elder. Maybe it's care to a neighbor. Maybe that's care given personally or professionally. But it's especially for those who want to give care to themselves. So if you're listening, as it turns out, our target audience is you. Why are you? Why are you? <laughs> and everyone you know. <laughs> so this particular episode is brought to you by Shine, the mindset mastery workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. 
In the second episode of Personal Power for the Common Good, if you remember, we looked at the meanings in varied interpretations of the phrase nature versus nurture in regard to human development. And in particular, we discussed the first year of life when a little human's first psychosocial task is the development of relational trust. We considered the lives of three hypothetical families whose life circumstances varied considerably in regard to resources of all kinds. We thought about how the imbalance of resources affects an infant's sense of trust and how mistrust can have a lifelong impact. Since um, cultivating deeper awareness requires self-reflection, we provided a continuum of childhood experiences activity, a worksheet, to get you started. Now, if you think this would be a helpful exercise for you, you can find that worksheet connected to episode two. And because cultivating deeper self-awareness requires some self-care, we suggested a focus on deep breathing and the recognition of and expressions of gratitude for the people and experiences that had impact upon you in a positive way. So did you do it? If you did, did you have any aha moments? Maybe a self-discovery? Maybe you got into the exercise and some questions arose. Any thoughts you'd like to share with us or with other listeners? You can click on the discussion board link here in the podcast or go to our website, personalpowercommongood.com. If you're not familiar with our podcast structure, our focus on personal power for the common good is through the lens of key developmental stages that most of us humans encounter, pre-birth, infancy, toddlerhood, on and on as we develop. Now, as Stacy mentioned, we talked last time about how much the impact of a family's socioeconomic and life circumstances can either add to or they can detract from an infant's first developmental task, which is establishing trust. This episode's focus is toddlerhood up to age three. And in keeping with our format, we start each episode with an opener, a question to kind of get your mental juices flowing for today's topic. So you ready? <laughs> Here's today's opening question. What is your memory of how the emergence of your, quote, self, your personhood, was received by your caregivers? So think about your life experiences from about 18 months to three years old, as much as you can remember. A common American phrase for this stage is, quote, the terrible twos, even though this unique developmental stage often stretches past the third birthday. But is this stage really terrible? From whose perspective? We've been exploring the various age groups using the framework created by developmental psychologist Eric Erickson, who famously identified eight stages of human growth for each age range. The toddler stage, 18 months to three years results with the balance or imbalance of autonomy versus shame and doubt. Now, maybe you were raised by a stay-at-home parent, maybe a childcare provider or another family member or family friend. It's all the same for the purposes of this discussion. How that person, how your caregiver or the environment responded to your first strong no 
or your recurring, I don't want to, may have tipped the scales of your development, your developing autonomy, positive development of autonomy, individualism on one end, or if they really didn't like that, (laughs) the development of shame and doubt at the other. You know, one of the challenges from an infant's point of view is that he or she does not yet have spoken language to communicate what she or he needs. Babies communicate in many different ways that caregivers have to learn. On the other hand, toddlers will let you know, and sometimes quite loudly, in words and in actions, just exactly what they want and when they want it. Or sometimes just as importantly and just as loudly, what they do not want. Holler. Holler. (laughs) Uh, Whether you have kids or run a preschool or have a deep resume of babysitting or you've got a younger sibling, many of us have experienced the dogged determination, frankly, something we could all learn from, Mm -hmm. dogged determination (laughs) of a toddler. Now that we've looked through this developmental lens of toddlerhood, let's explore today's essential questions. As educators, we offer these essential questions as kind of a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand during our time together. So in today's episode, our two essential questions are these. First, what factors, what people, experiences, and so on have shaped you in a way that limited or maybe sometimes shut down your sense of personal power? And question number two, how do you know? And before we answer those essential questions with a focus on the toddler stage, I just want to take a few minutes to think about the word power. It's obviously an important word to us since it's in the title of our podcast. And our goal is for you to feel more powerful in your life and the lives of others. But my understanding of the nuances of the word power and how it is expressed was cemented by a page from an action guide for advocacy and citizen participation given to me by Sister Margaret Leonard LSA, shout out, one of my most influential mentors for the past 35 years. Basically, there are four distinct ways to express power, negatively or positively. The first is, unfortunately, the most common and easily recognizable in our world today. Power over. Yeah, and power over is the poster child of win-lose relationships or situations. We see this all over the world. Corruption, discrimination, military or political repression, any kind of force against personal agency or personal will, and abusive relationships of, of all kinds. The power over mentality creates and then perpetuates longstanding practices like systematic racism, sexism, homophobia, classism, and so on. Also, poverty and pervasive injustice. Now, thankfully, there are more collaborative ways to exercise power that that do not involve stomping on someone else. One of these ways is power with. So instead of power over, power with. Where Stacy and I work, we've concretized this in our adult learning center. And we ask students to identify an ally in their lives, 
This is someone who is in their corner and believes in their talents or successes. If a student starts missing classes frequently or gets derailed in some way, we can reach out to the ally to see how we can work together all in solidarity to help get this student back on track. This, of course, leads to greater student retention, completion of our program, and on to future successes. And it also fosters for our students, sometimes for the first time, a real sense that someone has their back, uh, a little slice of safety. And that little slice is really powerful. Mm -hmm. The next category is power two. And that's based on a belief that Diana Millie and I share, that every individual has the power to leave a positive mark on the world. And lastly, the primary focus of this entire podcast series, of course, power within. Two words sum up this category, and they are self-worth and self-knowledge. Okay, and technically that's four words, but (laughs) you get the point. Self-worth and self-knowledge are critical to power within. There is an intentional reason why we talk about self-awareness during each episode and why we encourage you, encourage you to strengthen your self-awareness with at-home exercises. There's an intentional reason why we provide self-care tips designed to increase your self-worth. We know you need these two optimal elements of of self, self-knowledge and self-worth, in order to imagine positive change and to believe it's possible, to have hope, and, and to cultivate your ability to act and change the world, starting with you and the people around you. Now, going back to our toddler selves again, The odds are that the majority, if not all of your older caregivers reacted to your first strong scream of no (laughs) with a power over approach. Like, for instance, how many of you have seen a three-year-old, quote, acting up in the supermarket? I mean, a full-blown tantrum, the tears, the screams, while the parent or grandparent tries to get the weekly shopping done. How many of you may have thought to yourself, "Uh, will you just control that kid? And if you're a parent, this may have happened to you. And how did you feel when it was happening? Oftentimes, a sense of embarrassment over the, quote, scene your child is making in public is internalized. Now, to my knowledge, most parents understand that babies' brains are far from fully developed. They do not intentionally manipulate or piss off their parents because they simply do not have the cognitive ability to do so. They might want to, but they can't. And as a result, Most parents do not hit infants as a form of punishment. However, that dynamic starts to change from 18 months to three years old. Now, I don't recall being hit at that age, but I have certainly seen parents or caregivers hit their toddlers for, quote, acting out. And I've heard many adults condone the use of physical violence, politely known as spanking at a minimum, against some of the smallest and defenseless humans in our care. As we learned in our last episode, Erickson believed if an age or stage task is not wholly developed, in this case, autonomy, a psychosocial, quote, crisis evolves that could impede the transition for that person to the next stage. 
for, for this age group, expressing their natural autonomy and receiving adult reactions that cause internalized shame and doubt can deteriorate a young child's sense of their personal power. You know, it's not uncommon to hear people say, I'm ashamed of what I did, or damn, I can't believe I said that. But we associate that response more with adult decisions or adult behaviors. We don't really talk about how early that can start. So our bonds, attachments, and and sense of positive self that develop in our first few years, that will influence how we engage, how we communicate, how we form relationships throughout our life. The, the, quote, nurture comes from more than just our parents and family. And relationships can mean not only with others, but to ourselves and our sense of trusting the world, of trusting life and of trusting ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, last time I mentioned that young children have really sensitive radar and ever watchful eyes for what's going on around them. Infants sleeping in their cribs can be affected by domestic violence, unfortunately, even if it's not directly seen or heard. For toddlers, the stakes are even higher because at that age, they have much more self-agency. They're standing up, they're walking, they're running, they're throwing things maybe at you. They're saying words. (laughs) You know, their newfound powers seem boundless. But unlike an infant that is hopefully cooed at, sung to, wrapped in a blank of verbal praise and encouragement, Many toddlers' external stimuli begin to change, and not for the better. Yeah, they start to get yelled at a lot. Their hands are slapped. Their bottoms are hit. Maybe their arms are yanked, sent to the corner. Their needs are not so primary like their infant siblings. They are told no and stop that, and not right now. Many times throughout the day, usually by loud voices from trusted caregivers. They are not supposed to touch anything. Now, imagine for a second that, that your boss or your significant other treated you that way. How would that make you feel? Then take this a step further. Imagine for a second that you cannot afford to leave that job or that partnership where you're being treated that way. <laughs> the cherry on top? You don't have analytical skills to help you navigate. How would that make you feel? And I'm guessing not terribly good in either situation. Yeah, and I wouldn't wish either scenario on any human being of any age. You know, we mentioned in the last episode that words and actions leave emotional scars. And they might not be visible right away, but the marks are powerful and they're left on the human psyche or the animal psyche for that matter, you know, there's a legitimate reason why we have laws against animal cruelty and abuse. An interesting yet distressing historical fact that there was a Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals before similar accuracy and policies applied to children. Oh, ouch. Yeah, big ouch. You know, one of our favorite books is uh, The Four Agreements, A Path to Spiritual Freedom by the author Don Miguel Ruiz. We highly, highly recommend you pick up a copy. It's a quick read, and it often has life-changing impact on the reader's perspective, mindset, and personal growth. I've seen it time and time again, both personally and professionally, including myself. 
Mm-hmm. Ditto. Audiobook in your car, way to go for mm-hmm. sure. And one of the four agreements is this be impeccable with your word. And when you first hear that, you may think it means keeping your word or being truthful. And that's certainly included in the agreement, but it's much deeper than that. Being impeccable with your word means you acknowledge the tremendous power your words can have to either lift someone up or bring someone down, including yourself. You know, if you're a regular practitioner of negative self-talk or belief, you're not doing yourself any good, that's for sure. Are those types of ideas or words, are they bringing them closer to your personal power or more distant from it? So in the book, it gives an example of a story, and I'm going to do my best to summarize this story. And here we go. There was a woman who was very intelligent, caring, and kind, and she came home from an exceptionally hard day at work with a thumping headache. And her little daughter, who was young, you know, four-ish, was super excited to see her mom. And she started jumping and laughing and singing with joy. Her mom was patient and let her daughter burn up that burst of energy, but her daughter didn't stop. She kept on with her high output energy and eventually the woman snapped. The woman yelled at her daughter to shut up and be quiet even going as far as telling this little girl that her voice was painful to hear. Her daughter, of course, was crushed at such a young age. You know, she clung to her mother's every word and to her mother's approval. And on that day, she decided that if her voice was painful, she never wanted to sing and not really wanted to speak. So she became shy at school and she didn't want to speak up there. She decided this based on what her mother said and that she needed to repress her voice in order to be loved. I had a parallel experience, although I wasn't aware of it at my pre-analytical age. But it's this. It is without question, without question that my parents loved me big time. But they were human and they came to parenthood with their own backstories. Neither were emotionally facile in dealing with anger. So even before I had language, I learned to modify my emotional responses, especially to things that might make me mad, to keep my parents comfortable, to keep them undisturbed by needing to get into their uncomfortable place dealing with my anger. I did this to keep their love, you know, to to keep their attention. And because I was a little kid, I did it to keep their care. Right. And the example from the book, you know, little children, especially, they believe what you tell them. So for her to say your voice is painful to hear, shut her down for a long time. Words are powerful. You know, and there are countless expressions or experiences of less than ideal family circumstances. They can become a barrier to the mastery of trust in the first year and the mastery of autonomy rather than shame or doubt in the second and third years. You know, some are more horrific than others, but whatever the circumstances, you can examine the past and move on to a different kind of future. You know, we mentioned last time that mistrust is poisonous to the development of personal power and the common good. The same goes for shame and self-doubt, without a doubt. You know, both Diane, Amelia, and I, we benefited from a stable, nurturing environment when we were babies. 
And that really helped us rock the toddler stage of autonomy. I don't recall any specific memories from that stage in my life. You know, I know we lived in Somerville near extended family until I was two. Then we moved to Malden where I lived at the age of 12, my parents' first house. I started preschool at four. So that was the age the world began to open up for me. But the fact that I don't remember much about toddler, toddlerhood, I'm taking as a good sign. And I look like a pretty happy camper in family photos. So I'll have to give my family at least a B plus for how they <laughs> raised me as a toddler. <laughs> a solid grade. Yes. <laughs> now that we've talked about being impeccable with your word to support autonomy instead of fostering shame and doubt for, for people of all ages, really. Let's revisit this episode's two essential questions. Remember, we, we talked about them at the top of the show. First, what factors, people, experiences, and the like have shaped you in a way that limited or somehow shut down your sense of personal power? And just as importantly, how do you know? As you reflect more on our essential questions, Please, please do know this, these bits of insight. Our unique experiences and environments as toddlers, they either help or hinder our sense of trust in the world and our faith in ourselves as autonomous individuals. Life experiences of of trust and safety are not a universal norm nor are they a reality for many children, and frankly, for adults. You, however, can be a purveyor. Purveyor, isn't, isn't that a good word? One you of my favorites. A, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, you can be a purveyor of, of trust and safety for people of all ages in your life. And dear listener, that includes you. Most definitely. And one action step we're going to suggest until the next time, cleverly disguised as, you know, at home work, <laughs> again, goes to self-awareness that you, reflection and self-awareness go hand in hand. So to stimulate that process until the next time we're together, just notice, just notice interactions between adults and toddler age children whenever you can. What words or actions shut down the child's power? And in contrast, how is the child's power nurtured? If you want some structure for your thoughts and observations of toddlers and their caregivers, check out our observation worksheet at our podcast website. If you're listening from a computer or a laptop, you can access the link right away on the site. But if you're listening from an app, you have to download the episode first, and then you can access the link. Toward the end of each episode, We also share ways you can become a positive catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world, one person at a time. Yes, we are going to hammer this home, the importance of self-care. So if you listened to our first two podcasts, you may recall our second cleverly disguised piece of at-home work, which is grounded in the importance of self-care. Thinking deeply about your life. And cultivating more self-awareness, it can bring up some uncomfortable feelings. You need to take care of you along the way. So before we meet again, 
I'd like to suggest that you identify one simple act. This simple act is something that you can do easily, do mindfully, and that will feel like kind of like you're giving yourself a big old hug. For example, maybe it's quietly having a cup of tea in a fancy cup and saucer. Maybe it's reading a few pages from a book you love. Maybe it's a bubble bath. (laughs) Maybe it's the book in the bubble bath (laughs) or a phone call with someone from a short list of loved ones who always lift you up. Take a walk. There are so, so many options, but you deserve to have at your fingertips one that is especially right and meaningful for you. Please, please think about this and put that little bit of love right there in your back pocket. And believe that you deserve that love in your back pocket. That's exactly right. (laughs) And now that you're feeling the love, here's how to be a positive influencer of personal power for our toddler friends. Yeah. So to begin to pay it forward and be a positive influencer during the first three years of someone's life, you can preserve or strengthen their personal power. One really, really important way. Develop nurturing ways to positively discipline children. Positive discipline does not break a child's spirit. It doesn't cause them pain. It doesn't humiliate them. Never, never use physical violence like spanking or other forms of corporal punishment. If you think about that word corporal, it means of the body. You're damaging the body. Healthy, loving relationships do not include violence, period. There are only two lasting lessons taught to children or teenagers who are often hit. Number one, violence is an acceptable part of a loving relationship. Now, do you want your child to believe that going forward or your friend? And two, I must fear the ones who say they love me most. I'm going to suggest continuing to avoid gender-based clothing, gender-based toys, and certainly gender-based expectations. For instance, you know, some adults believe that boys should not play with dolls. Girls, we know, play with dolls to practice being mothers. But don't we want our boys to practice being good fathers, too? I do, for sure. (laughs) Amen to that. In one really effective method of positive discipline is training and choices and consequences, which you can start at the young age of two. You know, you can encourage the child's power of choice, whether you agree or not. So like start with a simple clothing choice. If it's weather appropriate, let the child decide if it matches or not. What do we care, right? (laughs) But in order to cultivate the child's power within, adults have to be willing to be flexible and give up some of your own power and control possible issues. (laughs) Yeah, that can be hard, but so important for the other. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, listen, if you take a step toward the common good, or if you have a eureka moment in your self-care, or maybe in your role as a positive influencer, please tell us about it by clicking on the discussion board link here in the podcast, or just go to our website personalpowercommongood.com. Your thoughts matter, your words matter, and you matter. Mm. And as part of every episode, we share some words of wisdom 
from someone who inspires us. And this episode honors the words of Rachel Carson, who wrote in 1965 her book, The Sense of Wonder. And she said, If I had influence with the good fairy, who is supposed to preside over the christening of all children, I should ask that her gift to each child in the world be a sense of wonder, so indestructible that it would last throughout life as an unfailing antidote against the boredom and disenchantment of later years, the alienation from our sources of strength. Wow. Yes. Mm. The woman was deep. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And that is a wrap on the third episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. We sure hope you'll join us next time when we'll be exploring these essential questions. Number one, how was the evolving emergence of yourself during the years of three to five handled by the people and by the social systems around you? And question number two, did you feel safe? Now, we'll continue examining Erickson's stages of development with a focus on stage three three years to five years, when the mastery task is initiative versus guilt. Yeah. And if you think of any follow-up questions until next time, or things or ideas you might want to learn more about, we most definitely want to know. You can download the Podbean app on your phone to send questions or messages and comments, or go to personalpowercommagood.podbean.com, where our episodes are stored. And you can also click the discussion board link. Yes. And we would really love that you help us spread the word about personal power for the common good. Listeners can find the episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, all the places, all the things, all your favorite platforms. Yes. Share the love. Share the power. (laughs) I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And we look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world.